Well, let's start with Steve. I want to personally thank him for sharing his story the last two weeks. Because two weeks ago, Diana and I were grateful when Jeff did the podcast. Because we were Thursday afternoon sitting in 83 degree weather at the pool listening to Steve's story with tears running down her eyes. People were probably wondering what those two knuckleheads over there are doing with tears listening to a phone. But Steve, you did a great job. And I thought, man, I'm glad I don't have to follow that. (laughs) Then I get back and they go, Steve's doing part two. So here we go. And i got to thank Danny. Sending out those emails, I don't know who all he asked. So far, I've seen Clark and Steve and myself, and I will tell you, I knew what I wanted to talk about, staying positive in a negative world. And I can tell you, it's been 36 days since January 28th, because every morning I've gotten up, there's been an email or a text message or something I've seen on the computer that I go, i got to run and put that in my presentation. So yesterday, thank you, Danny, for the reminder, I had 36 slides. We're not going to go to 36 slides. I don't even know how many we'll make today. But I deleted it down to 19. Now, I will tell you, at 36 slides, had I left them in there at three minutes a slide, that's one hour and 48 minutes of talking. So, we're not going to go there. Let's see. i got to turn this on. And then he said, hit the right button. Look at that. From my computer to the screen on the... So, anyway. First of all, how many of you know me as Dwayne? And how many of you know me as just J.D.? How many of you refuse to call me by the other name? It's interesting because Mark Barone's Sunday class, we were talking about names and I'm thinking, where do I fit in this category? So let me tell you our story. I grew up in this church, Gladstone to Heartland. And I had to have been four, five, or six when we first started going, Mom and Dad. Wow, I was three. I remember my first preacher I remember, Dell Children. Yeah, so I grew up as Dwayne. That's why people call me Dwayne. John Dwayne. Then I went to work at Worlds of Fun as a 16 year old. Guess what my name tag said? John. I said, no, I want to be Dwayne. They said, your first name's John. That's what we put on your name tag. And back then, we didn't have cell phones, so when they called the house to give me an extra shift or whatever, they would ask for John, guess who they got? (laughs) Then I started working at Braniff in 78, and Diana and I ended up in Houston. And on May 12, 1982, Braniff became the first airline to go broke. Fortunately, the night before, we had returned home to Houston from vacation in Kansas City. 
And that morning, May 12th, I put a check with 80 hours overtime in the bank. It bounced. And I also put in my application to be an air traffic controller. Five o'clock that afternoon, you get the phone call. You don't have a job anymore. So here we are, Houston, Texas, no job, six-month-old baby. So what do we do? We load up the truck and move to Kansas City. So we came home, and the first thing Mom says is, Hey, I was at church last Wednesday night, and we had a guest preacher. His name was Calvin uh, Calvin Fields. I almost said Calvin Klein. <laughs> Calvin Fields. He worked at the FAA. If you'll go down to Pioneer College, the next three Wednesday nights, they'll teach you how to be an air traffic, how to pass the air traffic controller test. And you had to have a 95 on that test, by the way. And I got a half a college credit for that. So on June 24th, I took the test. On October 18th, we reported to Oklahoma City. And that was the most, the three most intense months of my life. We ran problems, and Diana said she, that in the middle of the night, I would be moving strips around. And I finished third in the class with a 79. I wasn't used to that kind of score, but I was third in the class. So anyway, get to Kansas City International on February 3rd, 1983. And they said, you have to have initials. Because communication between air traffic controllers, they got to know who to blame if something goes wrong. So I asked for DG, Dwayne Green. Taken. What else would you like to be? I hadn't. I didn't have a second plan. So I said JD, and from that day forward, that's how I've become JD. So let's start with staying positive in a negative world. Breaking news. What's that mean to you now? There was a time where you'd go, breaking news. I got to watch this. Not anymore. They use it way too often. Channel 5 uses it every night. <laughs> we live in a negative world. It's how we reply to the negative world. We've got two choices, positive negative. And some of the things I'm going to cover tonight are what I've learned both in air traffic control and if we get to it racing. Because I'm going to tell you, 19 slides, I've practiced three times today and didn't get past slide 14. I hope to get to slide 14 because it's a great story that just happened to pop up on my computer yesterday. So anyway, how many of you have had a second language? <laughs> that was good, Abel. So, second language, Spanish, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez, taco, burrito, enchilada, German, eins, zwei, drei, vier, fünf, sexy, hop, neun, zehn, bratwurst, sauerkraut. Germans don't have as good a food. How about Latin or Greek? 
I got I got to refer to Danny on that one. Never taken anything in Latin and Greek. How about the police? Did you ever think about that? They've got a they've got a, another language all their own. What's a ten one hundred? Or better yet, they use the phonetic alphabet. Air traffic control. We also use the phonetic alphabet. Alpha, Bravo, Charlie. But where we get different with the police is they think Z is for zebra and we think it's for Zulu. But probably what I'm getting ready to say, only Dempsey will understand. United 245, five miles from Hensley. Turn left heading 210. Maintain 3000 till established on the localizer. Cleared ILS 19er. Right approach, contact Tower 128.2 at Hensley. Said that many times. You know what it means? I just cleared an airplane to make the approach to Kansas City International on runway 19 right. But we had to use the word niner because you didn't want it to get confused with the word five. Positive control which is the next thing I was going to talk about. But here's, here's one. Air traffic controller. Old school, up until 12 years ago. What's your aircraft number, Dempsey? November 6930 Whiskey. Runway 1 left. Taxi in the position and hold. 12 years ago, they decided we needed to go with the world standard. It'd be 6-9 whiskey. Line up and wait. They're still learning that one. And I'm, I told them, you know, the Tower of Babel still applies even in air traffic control. So, one of the things we always utilized and taught was be positive. Communicate, communicate, communicate. No mistakes. Be positive. And here's one of the things controllers do. They tell controllers. They tell pilots where to go. Pilots have to repeat that back. If Alan Davis was here, he would tell you that that sometimes we don't hear. Because he was in a situation where he was told to send and maintain 5,000, but he repeated 3,000. And the controller didn't catch it. Those things happen. Those things happen today. But we, we've, we've changed from a world where if you had three errors in two and a half years, you were out the door. To now, they just try to, they try to make you go through classes to help you learn to listen better. So listening is part of it. John 16.33, Jesus gave us a heads up a long time ago. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. There's two things in that that you'll find. First, where do we find peace? In Jesus. Second thing is, The world's full of tribulation. 
And I'm going to add something here. He's got this. And I'm going to tell you where that comes from. Steve Spencer, four of my grandchildren's other papa, has basically been told he had pancreatic cancer, he went through that, the cancer's back. This Sunday, most of the kids are flying out because these next six weeks are the best six weeks of his life. But you know what their family, the Spencer family, is saying? He's got this. So, when Steve last week, I jumped off my notes here, but when Steve last week or two weeks ago said that was the closest he was ever to God, there's a side of my family, my daughter-in-law is experiencing, and my son are experiencing because of that. And Jeff knows. Jeff Holloway knows him. Because on July 4th last year, we had that picnic, and the first thing is Jeff's going, Stevie, what are you doing here? You talk about a small world. They knew each other from the Liberty board. So I did a Google search on positive words. Angelic, beautiful, calm, divine, exciting, funny. Green is a positive word. I made sure it stood out so that you guys would happy, ideal, joy, kind. I chose one of each of the alphabet. How do these words make you feel? Because guess where we're headed with the negative words? Awful, bad, can't, don't. Can't and don't we're going to discuss here in a little bit. Evil, fear, greed, eight. And I love this one. Icky. Icky is a bad word. Something a two or three year old would use was that's icky. So anyway, doing Google searches, seeing things come up, this came up while we were in Daytona. This poem by an unknown author, illustrates the point that the words which come out of our mouth are indeed powerful, and they do make a difference, either negatively or positively, affecting not only ourselves, but those folks with whom we come in contact. I'm reminded of what our Lord says in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, because I'm about to break it. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So the poem. A careless word may kindle strife. A cruel word may wreck a life. A bitter word may hate and still. A brutal word may smite and kill. A gracious word may smooth the way. A joyous word may light the way. A timely word may lessen stress. A loving word may heal and bless. This is why I say I'm going to do something. At an FAA convention, I saw this, what I'm getting ready to demonstrate. And I needed Samson, or somebody similar to Samson, 
So I asked him on Sunday, you going to be here Wednesday night? He's <laughs> the back going, uh-oh. Tyler, could you come forward? I wanted the strongest man that I thought would be here. Look at all of them. Yeah. I still haven't told him what it was. He's so tall. So I'm going to have to step up here to do this. Okay. No, you've got to stay down. This is all I want you to do. Hold your arms out. Pretty strong guy. I can't, I can't get your arms down. Right? Can't beat you. Can't do anything. Okay. Perfect. Now look at me. You're awful. You're bad. You, Tyler, can't do anything right. You don't belong on this stage. I think you are evil. You are so petty and you're rude. Now turn around. Hold your arms out. (laughs) I saw this in an FAA seminar, and I came home to Diane. I said, i got to try this on you. So if you go home and try this with your, your spouse tonight, watch what happens when we do this. Tyler, you're strong. You're a great leader. You're a fantastic dad. You're a super husband. You're a super fantastic son. You're great at it. And you're such a positive person. So hold your arms out. <laughs> Those words. And that's the reason I wanted to do this. I mentioned this to Danny, and he's like, you can sit down. What we talk about, is that not what was in this poem? And I'll take it even a step further. I still haven't got around to listening to Danny's sermon from two weeks ago, but I've heard about it. One word, one action, one something can affect people positively or negatively. And it's just amazing. And it was amazing. Thank you, by the way, Tyler. When I saw that, and that's the fourth time I've tried it and it's worked every time. What the words that we hear do to our mind are just amazing. All right. I can't. I can't never did anything. Football coach Art Williams. Let me tell you his remedy. Diana and I have met Art Williams and his wife Angela. They are now billionaires. But it was back in the 80s. Well, actually, in the 70s, he was a coach at Georgia. I looked up his record today. He was a coach at Columbus, Georgia for seven years running. Two of those years, he was Georgia football, high school football coach of the year. When he first got there, they would practice, and he would hear the words, I can't. So what did he do? He got him a paddle. And if any of the football players heard the other football player 
say, I can't, they'd run to Coach Williams' office. Coach Williams, Coach Williams, Steve said, I can't. Bend over, here's three swats. In 30 days' time, you couldn't get anybody on the high school football team to say, I can't. So, Diana hears this. And you will hear this even today with her with the grandkids. I can't, never did anything. But now she has help. Because our two sons back her up 100%. But Diana's idea was we also had a paddle. It was a one inch thick paddle. And it was this long. And we drilled holes in it to get that speed going. And we painted it the colors of our race cars. Blue on the back, yellow stripe in the middle, and red on the front. We never had to use it, I will tell you that. But we hung it on the wall, and we didn't hear our boys say, I can't. And it even went to their soccer teams that they wouldn't let anybody on the team say, I can't. Here's one for you. Don't. Don't think of a white horse. How many of you just pictured a white horse in your head? I'll get to it here in a second. Now, I love Kathleen sitting up here because I'm going to talk about English was one of my worst school subjects. Don't forget, how many heard that? I've meant to look in the church notes from today and see if that's what Brandy might have said. Don't forget that this Monday set your clocks forward. Because what, when you say don't forget, are you saying? Use the word remember. That's positive. Don't is negative. And you know why don't's negative? What's it start with? Do. This is a tough word. I've heard Danny talk about this, but I'm I'm going to address this anyway. The word you. First off, it's a pronoun. I hope that's right, Kathleen, because I don't remember my pronouns. I know what a verb is. This is really cool. The word is plural or singular. Most of the Bible, most of the Bible is plural. It became singular in the 1400s. And when Queen Elizabeth I started writing it, she wrote it in the singular, and that's how it has affected the English language. Because in the, before that, it was plural. Ewans, y'all. I had a I had a gentleman from Georgia yesterday in the office, the Snake Saturday office. Great, great accent. Really enjoyed talking with the young man. Here's the one, one of the problems with the word you. Most of the time in the English language it has an accusatory undertone. It's a 
great way to start a fight or make people mad. Now, you want you want to see some examples of it accusatory? I need to talk to you. Why didn't you consider those options? When will you learn? You have some big challenges ahead of you. And what were you thinking? Now, how many have used that with their kids? Yep. Especially the what were you thinking, especially when they got to be teenagers. Do you know, use also a great word, used in a non-accusatory fashion. Would you like to order pizza for lunch? You look good in that suit or dress. You are brilliant, Ted. See? Made Ted's night. What time are you meeting, Steve? And then I thought of one today when I was making the drive down to Northtown. This time of year because of this. I'm in North Kansas City almost every day. I added this to my notes, but I really don't need it. But there, the word you, tied with this other word, is probably one of the greatest two-word combos ever. And why I didn't think of it, I would have had it on the notes. But it's thank you. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for staying awake. We worked for a, when we worked at Lakeside Speedway, Diana and I worked for a gentleman, Mark Olson. His two favorite words were thank you. He paid us to do a job, but at the end of the night, when we left, those words were thank you. Always. Now, out of all the people we've ever worked for, who do you think we enjoyed working the most for? Because that says you're appreciated. Okay. How do we live positive? One of the things I forgot to say at the start, but... All right, ladies that attend ladies' Bible class. While we were in Daytona, Diana says, what are you going to talk about? I said, oh, I'm talking about... Living positive in the negative world. And she says, you want to read my book? Guess what the ladies' Bible class has been studying? So, I left this open for us to question. Nobody wants to talk? Well, okay. One of the ways is be active with people. Meditate and pray. And that's part of the reason that if you want to know the honest truth, I love this picture in the background and I used it everywhere. Meditate and pray. And be active with people. What are we doing with our reach groups? Being active with people. Smile and laugh. 
Here's one for you. Studying this. How many times a day does a child laugh? 200. How many times does the average human laugh? Four times. So be like children. What did Jesus say? Be like children. Laugh. Have a positive accountability partner. Most of us, that's going to be our spouse. But it doesn't have to be. Reach out and have somebody that you can be accountable to. My insurance policy with health insurance, guess what? I've got an accountability partner. Calls me every two weeks. Called me on the Friday that we were headed to Daytona. Called me on the Friday we were starting to come back. And he's going to call me Friday at 4.30. I've got to learn to do the things he's wanting me to do, but... I got to count them any. Limit negative media and entertainment. The remote has an OFF button. Replace negative habits with more positive ones. I love this one. This goes to mine and Kathleen's. Give hugs, hold hands. Let me tell you about holding hands. When I was 50, I had LASIK. The only reason I got to read readers is because the FAA says both eyes have to be 20-20. Most of them do 20-40 in your weak eye, so you don't have to have readers. FAA didn't give me that chance. But here's, you, you don't meet the eye doctor that does the surgery till about 15 minutes before. He comes out and he says, Mr. Green, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to cover your eyes, it's going to go gray, it's going to go black, you think you're blind, takes about 30 seconds, and then you're going to see a red light. Concentrate on the red light, that's the laser. And oh, by the way, you'll smell burning flesh. That's exactly how it happened. But you know what happened during those 30 seconds that you're blind? Your mind goes, "Uh uh-oh, what did I just do? But a nurse is holding your hand. The most positive thing ever in the world. And then once they let you get up, because it only took about ten minutes total. And then once they set you up, and you can see across Berry Road, the signs that you haven't been able to see since you were 12 years old, and you read to your wife every sign on the way home. LASIK was positive. Okay, ladies, be thankful. And I really wanted to get to this last thing. Be confident in Jesus. John 14.6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. If you really know Me, You will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know Him and have seen Him. I ran across this story yesterday, and this is how we're going to end. It's a story from June 1972. One of America's best-loved broadcasters shares the discovery that made his life complete. Newsmen are said to have tough hides, cold hearts, 
printer's ink in their veins, we see so much of tragedy, disaster, the mud and blood that make news. Understandably, we become insensitive, cynical, and hard. That's why I'm grateful for what happened to me just about a year ago. Remember, this is 1972. It took place up a little mountain road in Cave Creek, Arizona. I think today that all the experiences in my life had been building up to this one. First, the Christmas Eve, when I was three, a gunman's bullet took the life of my policeman father. To provide an income for my sister and me, mother had apartments built in the house. As soon as I was old enough, I too looked around for ways to earn money. Radio was just coming into its own. By age nine, I was making cigar box crystal sets, which I sold for a dollar. A few years later, I took part in a seventh grade class play presented over Tulsa's KVOO radio station. After that, I spent every spare minute hanging around that studio. Finally, they put me on the payroll. I was 14. I did everything from sweeping to writing commercials and a little announcing on the side. I kept remembering, remembering what one of my teachers had said. In this wonderful land of ours, any man willing to stand on his toes can reach for the stars. Radio became my star. At 17, I did some of everything on a local station in Salina, Kansas. Then came jobs in Oklahoma City and St. Louis. In St. Louis at KXOK Radio, I met a lovely girl who was doing educational programs. We were married, and she has been my angel, and that's what I call her. Together, we worked hard. By 1945, I had my own network news program. By 1968, I was on television doing a newspaper column as well. Seemingly, I had achieved everything for which a man could ask, everything that is except for a quiet heart. Something was missing. There was a vague emptiness in my life, an incompleteness that I could not define. The emptiness was with me in March of last year when Angel and I were vacationing near Cave Creek, Arizona. We noticed a small church on an isolated hilltop. On impulse, one bright Sunday morning, Angel and I decided to attend a service there. We drove up the mountain. And as we rounded the last turn, the little steeple pierced an azure sky and white clappered siding reflected the morning sun. Inside were a dozen or so worshipers on wooden folding chairs, a scene reminiscent of the ones I'd seen many times as a youth. During these formative years, there was one scripture verse I learned that stayed with me throughout all those years. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Sometime, I would get to thinking about how wonderful it was. I never made it to an altar in any church, but I liked the promise of everlasting life. So one night, alone in my room, kneeling at my bed, I offered my life to Christ. Now, as I entered, the singing sounded a familiar melody in the unfamiliar little Arizona church. I just reminded of my long ago expression of belief. I did believe, the minister mounted the pulpit. As his eyes swept the congregation, he said, I see we have visitors here. And he paused for a moment and then he added, I don't often talk about baptism, but today I'm going to talk about baptism. 
Inside, I yawned. But then, for some reason, my attention began to focus on this simple eloquence of this country preacher. He talked about how alone man is without a heavenly father. My attention began to focus on the simple eloquence of this country preacher. But I thought, hadn't I done this? Now, I'm going to assume, said the preacher, that most of you here this morning have already made this commitment. But the giving of your life to Jesus is just the first step in a life of becoming a Christian. There's another step. Baptism. The way Jesus experienced it. By immersion in water, this becomes the outward expression of your inward commitment. This baptism, through the symbolic burial of your old self and the resurrection of a new one, is your public testimony to your commitment. Any quoted supportive scripture. Pause, let it sink in. There's no magic in the water. One's immersion is simply an act of obedience, a sign of total submission to God. Submission to God? I twisted on my chair. New understanding discomforted me. Long years ago, I had asked to be saved, but had I offered to serve? I began to realize how much of me I had been holding back. I thought of my prayer time each morning driving to my Chicago studio at 4.30. Often on the dark, deserted, straight expressway, I would seem to hear God's plan for the day. But by the time I got there, I'd be arguing with him and going a separate way. Could this be the source of my uneasiness? The inconsistency was within me. Now the minister was looking over his spectacles. And he said, if anyone here agrees with me about the importance of this and wants to be baptized, step up here and join me beside this pulpit. I found myself on my feet down the aisle by his side. The preacher had said there's nothing magic in the water. Yet as I descended into the depths and rose again, I knew something life-changing had happened, a cleansing inside out. No longer did there seem to be two uncertain, contradictory people, just one immensely happy one. I felt a fulfilled search of the Holy Spirit. Afterward, I cried like a baby, a kind of release, I suppose. I remember looking at Angel, and her standing, her eyes were shining. She knew well what this meant to me, because she had experienced it as a little girl. The evolving joy has been escalated. Yesterday, I was praying for guidance and not really meaning it. Today, the difference is in a genuine desire to know what he wants and an eagerness to do as he says. Though I learned John 3.16 early in life, it took me until this last year to learn John 14.15, If you love me, keep my commandments. The Christian life is one of obedience, not partnership. And I'm going to jump down here to the end because there is more. But my heart swelled with joy in my new surrender. And I thought, how wonderful. If this is no more what the unbelievers believe, a sort of self-hypnosis, it nevertheless affords an inner peace which passes all understanding. And it is what we believers believe, then we have all this and heaven too. How can we not be more positive about living life.
than knowing that we have Jesus and a home in heaven. And now you know the rest of the Paul Harvey story. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank You for this night. Thank You for this gathering. Thank You for giving me the words to share. Father, be with each and every one of us as we leave here. Help us to be the light in this negative world. Help us to be the positive force. Guide, garden, take care of us. Father, we are missing some folks tonight due to flu, due to illnesses. Be with them. Take care of them. Comfort them, Father. And restore their health so that we can share our lives with them. In Jesus' holy name, amen.